0: Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zo and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Elder Derek Gatke. He is preaching from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. I can't remember now if uh, my parents right, if I introduced myself. Um, my name is Derek Gatke, I'm one of the elders here at Church of the Beloved, and uh, consequently I'm a member of the teaching team, as we are uh, permanent pastor. Today, we're continuing in our sermon series on God's top ten, the Ten Commandments. I've uh, been going through the first four, and for those of you following along, might remember typically those first four are associated with how we relate to God, and then the last six tend to be how we relate to our neighbors and to our, people of our lives, and we been trying to view the Ten Commandments not only as the shoulds of how we should behave as Christians, but really how God designed us to be as people, His spiritual intention for being able to uh, Today, we are starting the, uh, the commandments that relate more to our neighbors. We uh, might reflect on God, but they not directly apply to how we relate to them. And today's verse, uh, as shall be read in 10, the one we're focusing on today is a fun one for most of us. Exodus twenty twelve: Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is given you. There is a lot to unpack with this verse. So, what I would like to do is break it down into three sections of this walk. Uh, those sections will be the command. That we're being given, the challenge that we face, and the promise we can fall back on. So, command, challenge, and promise. Take a moment to bow your heads and Father, every command has its own uh, hurdles and challenges. This one is complicated for a lot of us. Ask the Lord, please guide us through what you are actually asking of us. And please keep our hearts humble, and eager to do your words, and ultimately please let these be your words, not mine. Jesus, we pray. Alright, so let's start with the command. What's being asked of us in this? Uh, honor your father and mother. I'm sure many of us have heard it. I'm sure many of us have had it used against us when we've been acting out of out. Uh Usually, it's taken to mean that we should love and obey our parents. Maybe you speak well of them, don't trash on them. That's but usually it boils down to love and obey. That's usually how I've heard it preached. How I've heard it shared. Uh, this this often can boil down for those of us listening to be like, okay. Bren and Barrett, also awesome true, if your parents tell you to do something, just do it. Have, have any of us had our parents use the phrase, because I'm the mom, that's why, because I'm the dad, that's why, that's why. I have both um, had it used, and I have intended to use it already. So. Um, we should note, though, that God's asking for something beyond love, and or at least different love and obedience. Now, that doesn't mean that this can't include those things, but otherwise he would have used those words. God's pretty clear in the rest of the commandments. If he wanted this to be about obedience, he would have said, Obey your father and mother. If he wanted it to be about love, he would have said, Love your father and mother. But he chose the word honor. Honor means to hold in great respect or high esteem. Like I mentioned, this can include love and obedience But there are other passages in the Bible that clarify how that can apply Jesus himself says, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself And we've talked about that in some of the previous sermons here We should always strive to love everyone in our lives Our parents are our closest neighbors for a good chunk of our lives On flip side, many passages do call children who obey their parents. Ephesians one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now note that it says in the Lord, which gets into when it is appropriate for children to not obey their parents. Your parent is instructing you to do something against what God has called you to. That's why this command is honor your father and mother, not necessarily obey. Okay. Again, these are methods of honoring parents, but it's not the core of it. Other passages lay out that it's wise to remember what your parents taught you once you're an adult. Yeah, you don't technically have to follow the children obey your parents' stuff, but in Proverbs 6, 22 says, My son, keep your father's commandments, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you, and when you lie down, they will watch over you, and when you awake, they will talk with you. These are all examples very fine examples of honoring our parents, but they're not the heart of it. Going back to some of the passages we've been preaching on the past few weeks, where our hearts are, that's what God cares about. Behavior is great. Behavior is an outward sign that you're in line. But we've also seen that behavior does not mean anything when it comes to where your heart is behind. God is always concerned about where our hearts are when it comes to following this command. When Jesus preached on the commandments, in the Sermon on the Mount, he always focused on where is your heart. Matthew 5, I'm touching on some commands that we'll be getting to in the next few weeks, so apologies for for curving. in next week, Michael. Uh, Matthew 5, 21 through 22, uh, Jesus is talking about you shall not murder. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry his brother, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fear. Passages later, in Matthew 5, 27-29, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery.
1: But I say to
0: you, that everyone who says a woman with intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I think some of us who come up in the church, I hope, have heard the Sermon on the Mount by now, so you've heard some of these passages, you know, I think, probably had some experience with the teaching that um, how you think about something is just as important as the act all So how does this apply to honoring our parents? How do we honor them in our hearts? And what does that mean? I do want to extend thanks to Michael as we were preparing the sermon this week. He pointed me to a novel called uh, Iliad. It was written by Marilyn Robinson a number of years ago, one of the surprise. Uh, the novel is written from the perspective of a dying pastor, and it's written in the style of memoirs. And it's essentially letters that he's writing to his son. The son is seven years old. Um, so he, the pastor knows he's not going to be there for a good chunk of his formative years. So he's trying to give him something to grow up with. And there's a passage, a couple of passages, where he comments on Fifth Manu. I apologize, it's going to be a little long, but I think this is important for us to hear. I think it is significant that the fifth commandment falls between those that have to do with proper worship of God and those that have to do with right conduct or good I have always wondered if the commandments should be read as occurring in order of importance. That is correct. Honoring your mother is more important than not committing murder. That seems remarkable, though I am open to the idea. Or they may be thought of as different kinds of law, not comparable in terms of their importance. and honoring your mother might be the last in the sequence relating to right worship rather than the first in the series relating to right conduct. I believe this is a very defensible view. I believe the Fifth Commandment belongs in the First tablet among the laws that describe right worship, because right worship is right perception. And here the Scripture commands right perception of people you have a real and deep knowledge of. How you would honor someone differs with circumstances, so you can only truly fulfill a general obligation to show honor in specific cases of mutual intimacy or understanding. A little bit later in the book, uh, the pastor continues. At the root of real honor is always the sense of the sacredness of the person who is its father. I'm going to read that one more time. At the root of real honor... Is always the sense of the sacredness of the person who is its object. In the particular instance of your mother, I know that if you are attentive to her in this way, you will find a very great loveliness in her. When you love someone to the degree you love her, you see her as God sees her. And that is an instruction in the nature of God that humankind and in itself. That is why the fifth commandment belongs on first hand. I have persuaded myself. So, what Robinson is saying here through her character is it's that honor is rooted in how sacred you view someone. That's for our hearts. Many of us who are raised in the church will probably equate this with the echo of "We see the image of God." We see someone on the streets, homeless person that other people might like walk by. We're charged to see God's image of that person. That's how we look at them. Up. That's how we see what's valuable in them. So, honor. Is seeing the sacred in someone and responding to that in our minds, in our hearts, and our actions. When it talks about honoring our parents, what God's calling us to do is see and then what is sacred. Strive to love and lift up what is sacred in them. Recognize it when it comes through and praise it. Parents are doing something worthy of honor. Call it out. Obey it, Love it. Crazy. Encourage them to see it in themselves. Practice it more in more of Ah, a of What do we do this? This brings us to the challenge. I want to call out the obvious. Everyone is in a very different place when it comes the relationship you have with our parents. Some of us do have great parents. So honoring them or seeing the sacred seems remarkably easy, right? Some of us, our parents are our best friends. Some of us wish our parents didn't think we were their best friends. Some of us have suffered incredible harm of this commandment might like, seem impossible. if not right and Most of us are probably somewhere. Right? We've had good days, we've had bad days, we have a couple of those bad night arguments that still stick with us, but in general, yeah, we've been around. Whether our parents are good, great, bad, absent, or downright evil, we will all eventually see your problems. The more time you spend with anyone, the more you see the cracks, the slips, the sin-breaking through. And this can range from minor slip-ups to embarrassing statements or downright horrific actions. The more of our parents' sin we see, yeah, the harder it is going to be to see the sin we might get to the point where we're wondering if there's anything sacred left. I want to take a moment to speak to the parents. Because typically when I hear this commandment preached, this is typical, I'm not saying it's all the time, but I've usually heard it preached, and we parents just sit back and put our hands behind our heads and let the pastor tell our kids why they're wrong. Right? We let them shame our children. Treating us better. So we have a commandment on our side. Or we fall back on this commandment ourselves, gloss over our own shortcomings. Again, because I'm the dad. Of course, there is some truth to this. We're raising our children and we're confronting the sin in them. Absolutely. God is calling us to try and help them, seek the sacred in them. But we don't get a free pass. The Bible's more nuanced than that. I, I recently quoted Ephesians 6.1 6, of uh, children of anger parents, but two verses down, Paul says in Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. By God's original design, original, and I'm going to get a little bit into the brokenness of our world. Now, his original intent was parents would be the first humans, but we have any kind of meaningful relationship by God's original son, this, this does look different in our world, depending on your situation. Some of us are lucky enough to live with our parents, some of us are adopted, some of us are in the foster system, some of us do not have our parents at all, and we live to death. But for those of us that are in that position, that's the Talking to you right now, and I start with three. Things. We are the first relationship they have. We're their first introduction to humanity. And we're also the first relationship they have where someone has authority. Thus, how we handle that relationship drastically informs how they learn to interact with everyone else. You've all heard the cliche and therapy tell me about your mother. It goes back to Freud. I mean, this is this is a long cliche. This isn't new. Um, I was looking up some articles on therapy. The best one I could find that sort of touched on this was written by Dr. Liz Vesterson called Why We Talk About Parents and Paris. Very easy to find <laughs> on Google. Um, She says, our very ability to recognize and identify our emotions and their origins come from our parents. Parents who are dismissive of our emotions or overreact to them have a big impact on the way we experience our emotions on a fundamental level. For example, if we were raised being told that it's weak to be afraid, we will likely feel guilty when we are afraid, or try to actively deny that feeling in ourselves. We also learn, based on these experiences, how we can expect others to treat us when we need them. For example, if our parents are only there for us when we are in severe crisis mode, we may, we may develop a sense of the world as scary because during more day-to-day stressors, we feel very alone. We may even perceive ourselves as inherently unlovable and vulnerable. We may need to cry louder to be taken care of. As an adult, we may still believe that we need to cry loudly or yell anyone for anyone to in this Love you, I am one of you. Do. Are we making it hard for our children to honor Are we allowing our own sin to overshadow our sin? Are we disciplining or raising our children in ways that are godly? Or just ways that we burn? Are we equating our personal preferences with the commands of God? Is it good for is it going to go into sports church? Sure. Is it good for our kids to get straight A's? Sure. Does that matter to their salvation? Are we pushing our children into sin? Uh, just to accommodate our own? Alright. Take a breath, guys. we talk to the kids now. Look, well, children... And that's everyone in this room. We've all been children of someone. Not everyone's a parent, uh, but everyone's a parent. The idea that our parents are our first meaningful relationship, goes both ways. So yes, how our parents treated us, didn't treat us, still treat us, it is a foundation to some degree of how we interact with everyone else in the world. That one is built for us. How we treat them. A different foundation that we can only build with God's help, but it can be built. Coming to terms with our parents' brokenness while simultaneously learning how to honor them is what God is calling us to. Yes, He knows your master plans. Why? So. And that's how God tell us. God comes to us in our lives. He loves to honor Him on the that. He's not asking anything as a Hiself, the core of our faith is a father that loves His children to the depths of heaven. And a son who loved and honored his father there's cares God Sometimes our parents are good and make it easy to show honor. Sometimes our parents are good-ish, and this is for most of us in the middle, where we've had some good days, we've had some bad days. Sometimes they embarrass the crap out of us, so honoring them is really hard. It's not just that they're not cool, it's like, no, oh, they're starting to say stuff that's offensive. Some of. I don't want to keep going back to the Disney, well, and in this case, um, it was really hard because I don't know how many of you know Disney, but most of their protagonists are orphans. <laughs> uh, there are no parents to speak of. A line in Aladdin is, I blame parents except he doesn't got them. Um, so, where do. You know, there weren't many examples for me to find. I was shocked. And related to find, the best example, was in a Goofy movie. Uh, the whole movie, I don't know if you're familiar with it. it, came out in the mid-90s, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a movie about Goofy. Um, yeah, that guy. Um, and <laughs> um, I'm here all week, no. Um, but uh, the, the, the thrust of the story is about Goofy and his son, Max. His son, Max, just became a teenager recently, and they're at a point in their relationship where Goofy... We all know who Goofy is. Max is a typical teenager. So try to imagine, sympathize a bit, being raised by that klutz, you know? Um, And Max is a teenager. He's figuring out his life. He's horrified by what his father does and even the concept of becoming his father. The movie opens with a nightmare where he transforms into Goofy, and the Hyuk is like, there's like lightning in the background and a girl screaming, and it's, yeah, it's very horrific. They go through some various adventures, and throughout the, the movie you can see like Goofy isn't really listening to his son, but Max is really trying to just push his father out of his life. It's, all, it's just hard. And it finally breaks down into a big fight they have at the climax of the film, and Max says, I'm not your little boy anymore, Dad. I've grown up. I've got my own life now. And Goofy says, possibly the most heartbreaking line of a cartoon character, I know that. I just wanted to be part of it. Yes, I'm trying to get a car straight. Our parents, yes. There are some that are great, and there are some that are going to be really rough, and I'm going to get absolute worst cases next, but most of us are in Most of us have things that we don't like about our parents that are out, but we don't. So we start to push them. Push them. Push them. That hurts. It's really hard to have a child pushing away. Especially when the pause is, ah, they're not cruel, they don't agree with everything I say, they're pushy. Now, that being said, there are times when parents get lost in their bones, where the sin does outweigh the sin. And we need to be aware of, maybe even the, problem, the sin inside of you. Because that is the best way honor It's never honorable to let someone continuously sit at and turn the other cheek, you're evil, guests these are all uncomfortable to us in the Bible, but that is not a recipe God's giving us to endure abuse. God doesn't call anyone to stay in an abusive relationship and honor your okay? Figuring out how to handle the balance of honoring, just easy, of honoring it. That is honoring. It's going to take wisdom, it's going to take patience, it's going to take prayer, it's going to take a lot of hope for people outside of your family. And I, I am saying outside of your family, because I've seen it. Their parents are abusive, and your aunts and uncles openly. We might need to put up boundaries with our parents, healthy boundaries, like refusing to discuss certain topics, limiting interactions with other sin, or even disengaging with them. The focus we have to have, and this is where there's really good. Focus on restoring the relationship as best we can. As best we can. Not going to exchange or frustrated. Always focusing on how to bring the secret back out. How can I honor the secret? That means they need to take some time away from you so they can think about it. Remember me. This could be hard. This could break your heart. Where do we find the strength of this? Because God is not asking us to just bring Aaron. This brings us to the promise. Those of you playing the home game might have noticed we've only been focusing on one part of the commandment. Go back. Exodus 20 verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving. you. This should raise my now, as as Paul says in Ephesians 6 2, this is the first commandment of promise. The others have just been commands. Now for the Israelites, this promise seemed to be about earthly success. Going to the land of Canaan, if you honor your father and your mother, I, the Lord your God, will bless you with long life in this nice virtual land. But for us, who have the benefit of the full Bible. And knowing the mission of Christ, what he did, this points to a far greater promise of what long days and what the land God has given us. Revelation 21, 1-4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven to God, prepared as a bride and lord for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more for the former things have passed away. As, Christ- uh, sorry. as Christians, we believe that through his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ secured for us eternal life in a glorious city with God as our new, ultimate, loving man. No matter what your parents look like, Christ has promised that you can fall back on him again and again and again. Whenever it's hard, maybe even impossible, to refresh your soul and your strength, Let's take a moment to put all this together. I know this has been a hard goal for some of us. What is, what are the steps to honoring our parents? Let's let's use the worst example because all of us can take a step back. We start by recognizing the sin and brokenness in ourselves. This goes for parents and children, everybody. We start with the sin and brokenness in ourselves we have to recognize that christ told us we can't adequately assess another sin unless we fully recognized our own matthew 7 1 through 5 i know many of you have heard this
1: judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce you
0: will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye Or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye Hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We're all on the same playing field when it comes to sin. Parents and child, we're hopelessly lost without Christ's intervention. The degree that you see the sin in other people doesn't change the fact that the sin inside you is the same. Okay? You might have gotten to a better place, but the sin is the same. So recognize the sin in yourself. Second, recognize in others the sacred, the image of God. I'm not going to give you a step to recognize the sin in others, because that's always easy. You do that on your own.
1: Recognizing the
0: sacred in others, that is hard. That takes work. It requires forgiveness. It requires people grace. It requires patience and looking for what God sees in them, which is often what he sees in you. Third, recognize that God loves them and died for them too. He had to die for you just as much as them and vice versa. Again, same playing field. Meditate on that so it melts through your heart. The idea that God loves them. Yes, even even that one. He loves them. He sees sacred in them. And that will help you See the love he has for those who have hurt him. Finally, recognize that God loves you and will be for you whatever your parents can't be. Will be. He wants to. Remember this promise that he gave. Rest in it. Meditate on it. Let your Heavenly Father love you whatever your parents can. If you can do that, i will make the rest. Not see, or do it. I saved part of that Revelation passage for the end. Because I wanted to give you a button. A bit. Revelation 21, 5-7. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without fumes. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Not servant, but leader, not believer, not follower, son. He wants... Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB sermon podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.